This story is brought to your ears by all our fantastic supporters on Patreon. To get in on the action yourself with bloopers, extras, and the occasional early story, join us at patreon.com slash voiceofallmtg. We'd like to thank our newest patron, Yitzi Turniansky, for already donating. For more stories, or just a chat, visit voiceofallmtg.com. And now, Voice of All presents... The Gathering Storm, Chapter 4, by Django Wexler Ral woke up to a loud knock at the door, heart still pounding from a rush of bad memories. Tomic, a legendarily sound sleeper, said something like, <sighs> and rolled over, taking most of the sheet with him. It was still well before dawn, with only a faint gray light seeping in past the window shadow, dappled by the endless rain. Rao stared at the shifting patterns it threw on the ceiling for a while, willing himself to calm, reminding himself that he wasn't seventeen anymore, and Elias, the Count, and Toverna were all a long way behind him. <sighs> But, but Bolus isn't. He closed his eyes and grit his teeth. Damn, damn, damn. The knocking repeated. Ral glanced at Tomek and swung out of bed, pulling on a shirt and padding quietly through the apartment to the hall. He opened the front door to find a young Vidalcan woman in a red messenger's uniform, fatigue written all over her face. Ral's a wreck? <sighs> Ral nodded cautiously, and she handed him a folded slip of paper, sealed with wax. From the airy. Have a good morning. He waited until he heard her footsteps descending the stairs to close the door and break the wax with his thumb. As he did, he felt the slight crackle of a ward discharging. If anyone else had opened the note, Ral suspected it would have just burst into flame. Inside, an exquisite penmanship was a message from Niv-Mizzet. Ral, congratulations on your success with Esperia. I have arranged a meeting for you this morning. Hellas Vitria is a lieutenant of Lazav's, open to discussing the possibility of leadership change at Demir. Meet half an hour before dawn in the alley behind the broken toy box. It could, of course, be a trap. Take all appropriate precautions. N. When he was done reading it, the note burst into flame after all. Cool blue fire rapidly turning into fine ash. Ral stared down at his hand for a moment, and then shook his head, trying to clear the last remnants of his dream. Half an hour before dawn. That didn't give him more than an hour, but fortunately... The broken toy box wasn't far. Time for a cup of coffee, at least. He had a spare accumulator, last year's model, but still efficient and fully charged, and a set of gauntlets in a trunk in the closet. Suiting up as quietly as he could, he bid Tomek a silent farewell and slipped out the door. There was no point in leaving a note. Tomek knew that anything that called Ral away would be, by definition, guild business. It was that weird, 
liminal hour, where the earliest of the early risers cross paths with the latest of the late revelers. Raoul pulled his coat tight, fighting the chill, his rain-bending spell leaving a circle of clear cobbles at his feet. The few others who were out didn't have the benefit of his magic and carried umbrellas or simply got wet. Delivery drivers were making early morning visits to the shops and restaurants, stocking them for the day, while small handcarts delivered milk and bread to the generally comfortable inhabitants of Dog's Run. Rao bought a cup of coffee from a man with two heavy pots of the stuff dangling from a long board he carried across his shoulders. It was thick and inky black and scorched his throat, but he could feel himself perking up almost immediately. The broken toy box was a dozen blocks away in a slightly seedier neighborhood. It was a tavern and discreet brothel, which popular rumor said was partly owned by Rakdos' interests. Rumor also hinted at some very unusual goings-on in the basement suites, which Raoul had never felt inclined to investigate. The place was never really closed, but this was certainly as dead as it got. A single red-tinged lamp burned above the entrance, highlighting the tavern sign with its image of a puppet collapsed in a mess of tangled strings. It was a big building, three stories with a slate roof occupying an odd triangular lot formed by two converging streets. Raoul headed for the alley that made the third side, a narrow space barely wide enough for a couple to walk abreast, wedged between the tavern and a neighboring printer's shop. No lights burned here, and Raoul stood at the entrance for a few moments, giving his eyes time to adjust. If the Demir were stupid enough to take on Niv Mizzet directly, they're certainly bold enough to take a shot at me. He reached out to the accumulator and felt the reassuring buzz of its power. Raoul wasn't afraid of much, but the thought of having a mind mage root around inside his skull had always made his skin crawl, especially since he'd seen firsthand the sort of things Balerin could do. And I doubt Lazav will ask as politely as Jace always did. The back entrance to the toy box was tightly shut, and a stack of empty barrels stood next to it. On the other side of the alley were a few crates, and atop them, a huddled bundle of rags. Beyond the barrels, deep in shadow, Raoul thought he could make out a figure pressed under the eaves of the building. Hellas Vitria? Raoul set his shoulders. We'll find out. He walked down the alley, keeping his hands free. The bundle of rags shifted slightly, revealing a small body within it. A child, Rao guessed, tucked up against the rain. He watched it with a wary eye. When he was a few paces away, a girl of six or seven stuck her head out and blinked at him owlishly with bright green eyes. What do you want? Just come to talk to someone. Rao nodded past the barrels, where he could see someone standing against the wall in a long coat. Don't mind me. She kept watching him as he edged past. The shadowed figure didn't move. Coats flapping slightly as wind gusted down the alley. Raoul frowned and brought up his hand. Electricity strode between his fingers for a moment, flashing a brilliant white and lighting up the scene. And he took an involuntary step back. There was a woman in the trench coat, small and compact, with short, graying hair. She was pressed tight against the wall because she had been literally nailed to it with big, 
iron spikes, one through each of her shoulders, her palms, her thighs. Her mouth was wide open in a soundless scream, and further spikes had been pounded into her eye sockets. Runnels of blood ran down her cheeks, still fresh enough that they dripped slowly onto the cobbles. You can talk, but I'm not sure she can hear you. Raul paused, and then spoke without turning around. Hello, Lazov. Hello, Zarek. It's been some time since, hmm, the implicit maze affair, I believe. Not long enough for my taste. Raul turned. Slowly, away from the mutilated corpse and toward the shape-shifting guildmaster. Lazav sat cross-legged on the crate, rough sacking pulled across her shoulders like a cloak, dark hair plastered to her head by the rain. She smiled a little too brightly. I apologize for poor Hella's condition. She was a loyal subordinate, but just a bit too clever. For her own good. <sighs> so it goes. Well, if you wanted loyalty from your minions, maybe you shouldn't have turned against Ravnica. He raised his hands, power crackling across them. Please. I'm not here to fight you, Zarek. I merely want to talk. I'm not sure there's much to say. Ral relaxed, but only slightly. The Firemind is, uh displeased with your attempt to break into the airy. I'm sure he is. And so am I, given that I didn't authorize it. Hmm. That seems unlikely. I agree. Lazav spread his hands. Milena. She's the one who tried. Didn't seem the type. Is she dead, by the way? Last I saw, Niv-Mizzet had her in stasis for interrogation. If you get the chance, mention that I would like her back. For... discipline. The little girl licked her lips. In any event, I assure you, I have nothing but goodwill towards your master. I'm supposed to believe that one of your mind mages went rogue? Oh, no. It's worse than that. Lazav's eyes were very wide. There has been infiltration. Someone has placed agents in my precious Demir. Someone else has touched their thoughts. It cannot be permitted. It will not stand. You will see. There will be a reckoning. Raoul blinked, unsettled. Lazav paused and seemed to get control of herself. In any event... We have received Esperia's invitation to your little gathering. I am pleased to tell you that Demir will be attending, with myself as the representative. Why on Ravnica should we trust you? You shouldn't. Lazav grinned. But I recommend that you trust no one, so that at least puts us all on equal footing. Slowly she got to her feet, tossing the rags aside and spreading her arms in the rain. In the meantime, I shall be hard at work. Clearly, my discipline has grown lax. Ah, uh, cleansing is required. Demir must become lean and hungry again. If you're telling the truth, which I doubt, 
then I hope you'd be willing to share any information you discover in the course of your efforts. Of course! Lazav grinned. As you say, the security of Ravnica itself is at stake. My guild will not be found wanting. The little girl bowed. Best of luck, Zarek. Lady Vraska. Storev glided into the throne room in her noiseless way. Her veil rippled as she moved, like a curtain of ink. We have captured another assassin. Finally. Vraska glared at the throne. It had seemed like such a good idea when she'd started, properly imperial and terrifying, but she hadn't anticipated completing it would be so annoying. She had moved the court back to Svagthos, the old Golgari guild hall, a massive stone cathedral so ancient that even the erstwhile no longer recalled its origins. Gerard and his Devkarin had preferred the psychotropic delights of the Rot Gardens, but Vraska liked Svagthos, with its huge amphitheater and towering columns. She'd cleared aside the rotting wreckage of the previous throne and set about building her own. One by one, screaming prisoners, the worst of Gerard's court and those who'd chosen to resist the new order, had been forced into position, and then Vraska had washed them in golden light from her eyes. Now she sat on the bowed back of a shadow elf, and a monstrous chair woven of petrified elves, humans, and even a few traitorous crawl. The problem was getting the damn thing properly symmetrical. It was no good having an intimidating throne if it looked lopsided, and after the first few days, surprisingly few, even among the Shadow Elves, had tried to challenge her leadership of the Golgari. For most of the guild members, the rot farmers and refuse collectors spread throughout Ravnica's vast underworld, assassinations and coups were just ordinary guild business. In the Golgari, life and death were equally part of the Great Cycle. Two erstwhile bore in the would-be assassin, a spindly wretch in a black cloak. One of the zombies carried a blackened dagger, which made the gorgon let out an irritated sigh. The throne room was ringed by Kroll and erstwhile, and Jarga, her rot troll, slept in one corner on a bed of bones. All that, and they send a stripling with a knife. The zombies forced the boy to his knees in front of her. Vraska took the knife, sneered at it, and tossed it over his shoulder. Well, are you going to tell me who sent you? He dribbled blood from a split lip. You will never break us. This is our guild, Gorgon. Not anymore. Most of your cousins seem to have understood that. Now, was it Izoni? Izoni was perhaps the most powerful among the remaining Devkarin, the high priestess who rarely left the seclusion of her temple. Vraska's agents had reported plenty of comings and goings there among the Shadow Elves, which could conceivably represent some kind of attempt at resistance. For the moment, Vraska was content to let them conspire. Better to let all the push drain into the boil before lancing it. She glanced over her shoulder. Although, they would make it easier to finish the damned throne. The elf looked at her defiantly. He was trembling slightly, clearly anticipating torture. Ugh. You know, I honestly don't care. 
She waved at the erstwhile. Get him in position. He started screaming as the zombies dragged him to the throne. With undead strength, they shoved him into the gap on the left side, between a spread-eagled priestess who tried to poison Vraska at her victory feast, and the hunched form of an old rot farmer who'd tried to raise his neighbors against the crawl. The erstwhile shoved the would-be assassin's legs into the gaps, then pressed his hands against the stone. It looked just about right, Vraska decided, as she leaned forward. Her eyes blazed. Of course, the boy spoiled it at the last moment, yanking one of his arms free just as the wave of petrification swept over him. He solidified into stone in a very undignified pose, as though he were waving hello. Vraska ground her sharp teeth together and growled. Unfortunate. Should I send for a mason? Vraska kicked the offending limb, and it snapped off at the shoulder, skittering across the room. Good enough. She muttered and slumped into the seat. She shifted uncomfortably, feeling the bumps of the elf's spine beneath her. Just get me a damned cushion, would you? At once. Vraska was certain she heard a slight smile in the lich's emotionless monotone. The two zombies followed her as she glided out, leaving their guildmaster alone in the huge, echoing throne room. Vraska put her head in her hands, feeling the agitated writhing of her hair tendrils under her fingers. What is wrong with me? For years, she'd been a loyal servant of the Golgari, a pitiless assassin. She remembered the pleasure of the kill, the satisfaction of outthinking a target, the joy of seeing the hope go out of their eyes in the moment before the petrification washed through them. She'd collected trophies like all her kind. Her pride and joy had been her collection of Azorius soldiers, gathered in a hundred clandestine raids, each a tiny measure of revenge for what they'd done to her. Tossed me in a prison camp for no other reason than I was a Gorgon and they were afraid. And then, she'd had ambitions. She'd seen what Gerard and the Dev Karn were doing to the guild, neglecting its defenses and leaving its territory open. Boros patrols had pushed the Golgari back from several outposts, and they'd suffered raids from Simic experimenters and Rakdos joyriders. She'd come to know the Krall, who the elves treated as little better than beasts of burden, and to appreciate the quiet intelligence of the huge insects. She'd decided, then, that she would take charge, for the good of the Golgari. But she'd known she'd needed allies. And I found them. I found Bolas. The dragon had promised her mastery of the Golgari in exchange for her help. And here I sit. He delivered on his end of the bargain. Did I? That was where it all broke down. She remembered agreeing to work for Bolas, his promise that he would put her on the Golgari throne. And then she'd left, and... Left where? Left Ravnica? She remembered fighting in Bolas's service, but if she thought about it too hard, her head started to hurt. Her memories had a thin quality, disconnected from one another. I've gotten everything I wanted. She looked at her corpse throne, around the colossal guild hall. So why do I feel empty? She hadn't taken any pleasure in snuffing out the life of that pathetic assassin. 
Even Gerard had felt more like smashing an annoying roach than the culmination of all her plans. What happened to me? Frantraska? The tentative mental touch was Zedek's. Vraska looked up to find the albino crawl waiting at one of the side entrances, his forelimbs rubbing nervously together. Hello, Zedek. Vraska had gotten better at thinking clearly to the telepathic crawl, but she still found it easier to speak aloud. Is something wrong? I face a difficult choice, and I do not know what to do. Zedek shuffled closer. I cannot see the right path. Choice? What do you mean, choice? What's the problem? I cannot explain. And yet I must. Oh, friend Fraska, if there was another way... Zedek, it's alright, come here. He moved closer, and she put her hand on his mottled white carapace. It was rough under her fingers, like unpolished wood. Before you, I had no one. You saved me from the enemy Kral and enemy elves. You showed me that I had value, weak and strange as I am. You know I'd rather die than allow anyone to hurt you. I know. This is getting very dramatic. Just tell me what's bothering you. I have felt your thoughts. I could feel them across the guild hall. They are disturbed. She shook her head. Is that all? It's nothing, I promise. Just worries. These are dangerous times. It is not nothing! Friend Vraska, I have seen the shape of your mind. I warned you about rooting around in my head. I know. It is one reason I was hesitant. I swear I have not pried into your thoughts. Only, only swept the edges of them. It is the difference between seeing a book on the table and reading it. Vraska relaxed. All right. So what about my mind? There is a hole in it. Vraska froze, her clawed fingers tightening on the arm of her throne. For a moment, she felt like she couldn't breathe. What? There is a hole in your mind. It is why your thoughts are disturbed. You can feel the hole is there. But you cannot reach it, and so you circle endlessly. I would not have spoken, but... Someone took something from my mind? Vraska felt her hair tendrils standing on end, which they only did in moments of extreme agitation. Gorgon instinct brought her golden light to the corners of her eyes, an automatic threat response, and she hurriedly blinked it away. When? Who? It was not taken precisely. It was sealed. He did. It has been so since before you and I met, though recently it has moved closer to the surface of her mind. As to who did it, I do not know, but they must have been a very skilled telepath, much more so than I. Roska blinked. Since before we met? That would be before I returned to Ravnica from... Damn, you're right. I can feel it. She pressed the heels of her hands against her forehead, claws resting on her skin, as though ready to dig the secrets out of her brain. Then she looked up. Can you undo it? Release the seal? I believe I can, but... What? Friend Droska, the seal shows every sign of having been 
benign. When a telepath alters another mind against its will, that mind will bear the scars of the struggle. There are no scars in yours. I believe whatever was done to you, you consented to. I consented to someone ripping out a chunk of, of me? Never. I would never have agreed to that. Zedek backed away. I am sorry. Of course, I am mistaken. Wait. Why does that complicate things? Because if you wanted that part of your mind sealed, you might have good reason. If I unseal it, I, I do not have the skill to repeat the process. What is in there may change you, friend Raska. And I do not wish you to change. His forelimbs rasped against one another. But I do not wish you to be unhappy either. Vraska leaned back in her throne, willing herself calm. She felt her hair tendrils flatten, one by one. She stared up at the ceiling, where stalactites hung among the ancient stone columns. I did this to myself. Why? What made me do such a thing? And where did I find someone to do it for me? I understand your dilemma, and I appreciate how much you care for me. Thank you, friend Vraska. But I need to know what's in my head. It is disturbing my thoughts. But... If I did do this of my own accord, I must have known I'd find it someday. She ventured a smile. I'll be alright, Zedek. As you wish, friend Vraska. Shall I proceed? Now? She was tempted to tell the crawl to wait, to gather her strength. No. It had to be now. Whatever's in there, I'm not afraid of it. Yes, do it. She felt Zedek's touch on her mind, a cold spot on the inside of her skull, slipping around like slimy fingers. There was a moment of resistance, of pressure. And then something gave way. She gasped as memories exploded outward, a geyser of lost thoughts and moments and... Vraska squeezed Jace's hand. Let's sabotage that bastard. They were going to save Ravnica. I will still recognize you when I see you next. But I'll definitely try to kill you. I know. Ixalan, the belligerent, her crew and the mission from Bolas, the chase and its ending, Memory after memory, upside down, out of order, but falling back into place. Her own voice. My magic may lie in death, but I take no joy in killing. Before, I did it because I didn't have a choice otherwise. Now I have to do what is right for others like me. I think you were meant to be a great leader. Jace. Her heart hammering faster in her chest. Vraska, your greatest vengeance is the fact that not only are you alive, but you reinvented yourself into someone stronger than your captors ever thought possible. Do you realize how incredible that is? How much did I hide? Vraska felt buffeted in a maelstrom of thought. Jace, why did you do this to me? And then... Rank on rank of blue-armored soldiers, still in undeath, fire burning in their eyes. He made an army he could transport across the multiverse. And the Immortal Sun will make sure no one could leave once they've arrived. 
Ravnica was writ large upon the ambition in Nicobolus's mind. All the breath went out of Rosca's lungs. Bolus is coming here. Not alone, but with an invincible army. Not to scheme, but to conquer. He means to take Ravnica for his own. Friend Rosca! Zedek's urgent mental touch finally broke through. Friend Rosca, are you alright? Fine. I'm fine. Zedek, thank you. I can't explain everything now, but thank you. The crawl sent a pleased feeling, though his mind was still all confusion. Vraska leapt up from her throne and started shouting. Storeth, get in here. When the Black Veil Lich glided in, Vraska whirled on her. What did we do with the emissary from the Azorius? Storev bowed. I believe you instructed us to place him in your statue garden. Fetch him. In, uh, the rockery. The Lich inclined her head again. You kicked him over the side of the bridge. Right. Her memory was still a jumble. She even felt a faint pang of guilt at having done that to the messenger, which she cast aside angrily. He was still Azorius. Whatever change had come over her on Ixalan, and it was still unfolding inside her mind, it didn't change the vengeance she owed the minions of the Senate. Does it? Her sharp teeth rasped together, and her hair tendrils wriggled. With an effort, Vraska mastered herself. I want a messenger sent to the surface. Two. Not the Azorius. Never the Azorius. Who else had been working with them? To Relzarek. At once. Of course, Lady Vraska. Storev bowed. And what do you wish the message to say? Vraska took a deep breath. Ral had an office on the fourth floor of Nivix. In the ordinary course of business, he didn't use it much, preferring to spend his time one level down in his personal laboratory, riding hard on his attendance. As a result, his office became a sort of storage space for the paperwork he preferred to avoid, delivered constantly by resident fairies through special tubes built into the walls. To try and keep ahead of it, he'd installed Chemister Gloom Plugs Patent Shredder Slash Incinerator Mark V, formerly Chemister Gloom Plugs Intelligent Autofiling System Mark IV, whose steel maw loomed in what had once been a fireplace. For the moment, though, he'd shoveled his ordinary paperwork to the floor, and his unadorned steel frame desk was covered with correspondence relating to the Guild Summit. Replies to Asperia's invitations had started to come back, and Ral stood with his hands on the table, taking stock. Izzet was in, of course. Azorius and Boros had agreed to participate, and the Azorius had further offered to host the summit near New Prov, which was reassuring. They'd promised everyone safe passage, and the Senate was nothing if not sticklers for their own rules. That left seven guilds. The biomages of Simic had sent a cautiously positive response, and Asperia seemed hopeful they would participate. Amara of Selesnia had requested a meeting with Ral personally, which he'd arranged for the next day. She sounded sympathetic, but she wasn't the Selesnia guildmaster, so he didn't count them as settled just yet. 
and Lazav of Demir, of course, had promised to attend, though what his word was worth was anyone's guess. Which leaves four. Hesperia hadn't even tried sending a messenger to the chaotic clans of the Gruul. Niv-Mizzet himself had taken on the task of convincing them, apparently calling in old favors with Borborygmos, the massive cyclops who was the closest thing they had to a leader. Whether it would work, Ral had no idea, but it was out of his hands. From the Orzhov Cathedral, they'd gotten a firm rebuff. Unsurprising, since the Orzhov hated the overreaching power of the Azorius. Not for the first time, Rao considered approaching Tomek for help, and then firmly rejected the notion. He's, He's not, not going to be able, able to sway, sway them one way or the other, and it's, it's not, not worth what it would do to us. Guild business and personal business had to stay separate. That left the Golgari Depths, from which Asperia's messenger hadn't even returned, and... Uh, Mas Master Zarek? A nervous young man leaned into the doorway. There's, uh, someone here to see you. She says she's an emissary. An emissary? Raoul looked up and frowned. From whom? He this way? Of course he is. That's his name on the door. Gangway! She's, uh... From The attendant pushed on someone out of view, trying unsuccessfully to keep her back. From Rakdos, I think. Ah! Think fast, copper! The attendant gave a screech and stumbled backward, recipient of a sharp knee to the crotch. His assailant bounced into the doorway with a flourish, as though she were presenting herself on stage. She was a pretty young woman, dressed in a party-colored outfit made of a variety of dyed leather patches sewn together into a tight bodysuit. It put Raoul in the mind of a fool's motley, and she'd apparently decided to lean into the comparison, augmenting the effect with a dozen tiny silver bells hung from the tips of her hair, which was short and shaped into narrow spikes with what looked like paste. That she was from Rakdos was beyond doubt, Ral thought, because no one else would wear something like that outside a circus. He got to his feet, and the woman grinned at him and sauntered over, flopping bonelessly into one of the chairs in front of him. She swung her boots, enormous black things that looked like they'd been partially burned, up onto his desk, scattering several important letters. They stared at one another for a few moments, the woman seemed content to wait, and ultimately it fell to Rao to clear his throat and break the silence. Can I ask who you might be? Oh, right. It seemed as though this question had not occurred to her. She shot to her feet and then executed a formal bow, the bells in her hair tinkling. I have the extremely dubious honor of being the official emissary, mouthpiece, and plenipotentiary of his magnificent flaminess on account of being the smartest and best dressed, and also I cut everyone else's fingers off when they tried to stop me. <laughs> I see. Do you have a name? You can call me Hakara. Everyone else does, because it's my name. You're Ral Zarek, yeah? I am? Ral was already finding this conversation a little hard to follow. Rakdos street slang, patois and accents cribbed from a half dozen cultures, usually much to those cultures' chagrin, was the only thing that changed faster than Rakdos' fashion, and he wasn't well studied in the latest. Did you have a message, or...? 
in a manner of speaking, right? His incinerationist wanted me to say that he's all about this guild summit. Like I said, I'm his rep, all signed and sealed official-like. Oh, wonderful. Raw looked down at his scattered papers. Well, the summit won't begin for some time, so... But... In the meantime, he wants me to stick close to you. Hang out, type of thing. What? Raul looked at her dubiously. W why Well, here's the thing. His mighty burningness is not happy about the idea of some dragon from elsewhere coming here to kick us all in the jewels. I mean, who would be? But on the other hand, he ain't sure you lot aren't putting this whole thing on as an excuse to get together and stomp on him. His bossiness has a bit of a bee in his bonnet about that. <laughs> so, I get to hang around and watch and make sure everything's on the up and up. Keen, keen. He wants you to observe me? Ralph found his head hurting already. Correct. All right. Think. In spite of Hikara's odd personality, it wasn't that unreasonable a request. The demon Rakdos had always been paranoid, and he was one of the few guild leaders as old as Niv-Mizzet himself, dating back to before the foundation of the guild pact. No doubt he's had his share of betrayals. Ral glared at Hikara. It can't hurt to have her on board. The more guilds signed on to the summit in a visible way, the more authority they'd have with the rest. And since we aren't plotting a trap for Rakdos, having her observe won't be a problem. It's unnecessary, but if your presence would reassure Lord Rakdos... Hikara leaned forward, grinning. I'm gonna regret this, aren't I? Then of course you're welcome to observe me. As long as I'm acting in my official capacity, at least. Kane! Hikara grabbed his hand and shook enthusiastically. Right, now we're mates. Ral raised an eyebrow. Mates? You know, buddies, comrades in arms, boon companions, mates. Hikara put her other hand to her mouth and contrived to blush. Oh dear, did you think that was a pass? I don't... I mean, I'm not saying no. Not a slam dunk, love the white streak though. Get a few drinks in me and we'll see what happens, yeah? Mistress Hikara. Just Hikara is aces. She threw herself back down into the chair. No need for a mouthful. As you like. Raul took a deep breath and started reorganizing his papers. Master Zarek. The attendant, limping, reappeared in the doorway. Another emissary. Can you please keep them from just walking into my office? I... um... The attendant retreated past the doorway. An admonition died on Rao's lips as a noxious thing lurched into view. It had once been human, but was clearly long dead, mottled flesh hanging loosely on a partly visible yellowed skeleton. Fungus grew all over it, puffballs on its arms scattering spores they scraped against the doorframe, a blue-green shelf of mushrooms growing directly out of the side of its head. One eye socket was crammed with fungal growth, but the other was a dark, empty hole, with a single green spark glowing in its depths. 
Zarek. Raoul curled his hands into a fist and felt electricity crackle across it. Hikaru stared at the zombie open-mouthed. Yes? A message from Queen Vraska of the Golgari Swarm. A bit of rotting flesh dropped off the zombie's hand with a wet sound. She wishes to meet in person to discuss the upcoming summit. Vraska. The Gorgon Planeswalker had vanished from Ravnica after her run-in with Beleren. Now, now she's, she's calling herself, herself a queen? Interesting. Very well. You will be informed of the details. The queen bids you good health. Then it collapsed, all at once, like a puppet with cut strings. Bones, flesh, and fungus collapsed to the floor, deliquescing rapidly into a noxious puddle. From the hallway, Raoul could hear his attendant being noisily sick. <laughs> well, that's not coming out of the carpet anytime soon, I tell you what. Thank you for listening to this production of Voice of All. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you not just for the voices of the characters, but also to keep us going and growing. If you enjoyed what you heard, please support us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, or following us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts, or just plain sharing with your friends. You can also support us financially on Patreon for exclusive perks. The Gathering Storm was written by Django Wexler. The podcast was produced and edited by Gendo Okeshi, with sound editing by Noxshade. This week's story featured the voice talent of Mycroftian, Eli Lewis, Ash Thurman, Joe Loaf, Natalie Karina, DQJ, Maxi Bridgewood, Paul Warren, Connor Roby, Isa Martell, Miles Miller, Melissa Sheldon, and... Ozzy Snedden. Voice of All is unofficial fan content, permitted under the Wizards of the Coast fan content policy. Magic the Gathering is copyright, Wizards of the Coast. Thanks so much for listening, and y'all have a great day. <laughs>